Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we are back on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy. I am Essex Thayer. Ben, happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a little bit too long for our liking. Uh, we certainly missed doing the pod for you all. And we have some exciting things to talk about today, both sports-related, on the court, off the court, a couple big announcements. Um, it's, uh, it's a good time to be back, and we are, we are thrilled and have a lot to get into today. Absolutely. Yeah. Two housekeeping things before we really get started. First, I want to thank everyone for their support. While I was on the mend, I have a a condition called Bell's palsy, which temporarily uh, froze the side of my face. So talking wasn't really an option for some time, but now I'm definitely on the mend. I'm getting a lot better. Uh, Speech is coming back. And, and hopefully going to be fully recovered on all that pretty soon. And then in much better news, uh, after you know taking a, a little bit of a break, we are really excited to announce that we have joined the Believe Network, uh, their network of sports shows as their prime Wake Forest coverage. We are incredibly excited to, to join a, a group with such a, a robust history, a really great cast of folks, a lot of great shows, and, and we're happy to to be a small part of that. Not much is going to change on our front. We promise that we, you know, everything is going to stay the same. You're going to be able to access our podcast still on on Apple podcasts or on Spotify, wherever you listen. The only difference is there might be some built-in advertisements during each episode from our proud partners, partners of the believe network. And we are also going to start looking into some own, some of our own local ads for boots on the ground pod. So if you are a local Winston-Salem business and want to get your name out there, we would certainly love to talk to you about that, but not much changing on our front. We're really excited to be back. We're really excited and proud to be a part of the believe network. And we can't wait to get the coverage ramping up again, Ben. I mean, it's been a while since we've been back here, you and I, and it feels good to be back with that being said, been two very good games for Wake Forest basketball these past few days. Uh, looking back to last week, briefly getting into Florida since it was a little while ago. So entering that last media timeout, then game was tied. There was 4:03, I believe, left on the clock. Tie ball game. Florida, a very good ball uh, ball team, and Wake Forest goes on a run. Five straight points, sprints to an 82-71 win. Really good finish for Wake Forest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just kind of a monster offensive second half for Wake. They put up 50 points. Um, they shot 61.5% from the field as opposed to just 38.7% in the first half. That was a win that they really needed to have after, you know, a tough trip 
to Charleston, a couple games they could have won there. A team that was just searching for sort of a win to get their feet fully under them, sort of figure out the identity of this team, how this team can play, and that they do in fact have it in them to beat quality opponents. And Florida is a quality opponent. I think this will end up being a very meaningful win for Wake Forest. And to do it in the way they did, overcoming some adversity in the first half, like you mentioned, really finishing on a strong note and going on to win uh, a double-digit game there in front of a a rowdy home crowd, good home crowd, uh, is exactly the kind of momentum change that this team needed. Yeah, so at one point in the second half, Wake trailed by nine points. Steve Forbes triggers a timeout, causes an immediate 6-0 Demon Deacon run, and, and that was what charged the team to victory. So Wake Forest in the first half had kind of that back and forth game with Florida, which is what you want against a quality opponent like that. Like Wake Forest didn't roll over and die in the first half, a team that sometimes struggles out of the gate. Wake didn't struggle out of the gate against Florida. They played well. And then at the end of the first half, beginning of the second half, things began to deteriorate a little bit. The Gators got something rolling. Steve Forbes, that timeout triggers a run. And then Wake Forest gets himself back into the game. That last immediate timeout, they fly to the finish line. Really big win, as you said, Ben. A a massive second half, 50 points. That three-headed scoring monster of Hunter Salas, 24 points. Andrew Carr, 22. Cam Hildreth, 18. Cam especially because he drained a lot of free throws uh, down the stretch. And, and, And as you said, Ben, after some tough results for Wake Forest to open the season, that loss in Athens, the two losses in Charleston to Utah and LSU, especially that LSU loss, really a bitter one. And then a, a non-con game got at home against Charleston Southern where Wake Forest didn't really look good at all for a majority of the game. They still won by double digits, but didn't look like a very good basketball team for the majority of that game. That felt like a game that Wake Forest absolutely had to have to reset their season. They had to get that win against Florida, and they did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, we were looking at Wake Forest's non-conference schedule in an earlier podcast, and just sort of discussing the fact that it seemed like a lot of Wake Forest meaningful games um, for their resume at the end of the year were happening at a very early point. We knew that was going to be a point of adversity for this team, you know, missing some guys, obviously dealing with some injury bugs here and there. And, you know, as any college basketball team is still figuring out how you want to play, how to, you know, integrate those transfer guys out on the court. You have some freshmen that are getting meaningful minutes. So there's always going to be some time to figure it out, find out how you want to play, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. I think it was important for Wake that, like you mentioned, that Charleston Southern game didn't have their best stuff. That much was clear. Played from behind for a decent amount of the game. Fortunately, we're able to find a way to, like you said, win that game by 15 at home. That's a big one to sort of, even though you struggle, get that result at home, defend your home court. Wake's still undefeated at home this year, and we're very, very good at home last year. So I think that will be key in there. You know, the, the level of success they have the rest of this year as we move closer towards conference play. And then just, yeah, last bit about the Florida game there. The story on offense was what it has been most of the season. You had, like you said, the the scoring monster of Andrew Carr with 22, Cameron Hildreth 18, and then Hunter Salas with 24. And I loved what I saw from Andrew Carr again during this game. He just did so many things well. He was efficient, 8 for 13 from the field, three blocked shots, a couple of steals, three big three-pointers, perfect from the free throw line, six rebounds, and a team leading plus 17. To me, that's the most important stat of them all. The team is better when he's out there. They are 
he has made the leap, I think, in a big way, in an important way. And we'll get into this later with the addition of Efton Reed to the lineup now. I think Andrew Carr can focus even more on playing the kind of basketball that he wants to play. And I think you saw that in the Florida game, and I think you're going to continue to see that you know, throughout the rest of the year. And like you mentioned, Cam Hildreth was huge down the stretch at the free throw line, is a guy that has excelled at getting to the line this year. Um, one of the top free throw shooters in the conference and in the country. Um, it's been great to see him do that. And it was great to see Wake really sort of lock things down, down the stretch and, you know, emerge with that victory and sort of build momentum for, you know, the game that we'll get into next, which was against Rutgers. Yeah. And, and before we get into that, that Rutgers game, and especially that Efton Reed point, one last, one last note. I think it was something that I talked about in my game story. And again, that game was, you know, some time ago. So I'm, I'm reaching back into the depths of my memory here a little bit, but it felt like in that game against Florida, Wake Forest got back at a certain point when they called their way back into the game, they got back to what works for them as a team. Um, Like the fact that they really leaned into the two point shots. Like they, they took good shots, especially down the stretch. Wake sometimes gets a little bit three-point happy, uh, and, and I think that occurred again against Florida. But at a certain point, they really really nailed down on the two-point shooting, got the ball in the paint, and, and were taking high-percentage shots, which is I, I know something that, that Steve Forbes, anybody, really likes to see. Um, and, and also, I mean, that, was a, that win w- was a huge identity win for Wake Forest. Like, the... Steve Forbes t- talked about it after the game. His whole mantra is gritty, grimy, tough together. For for Wake Forest to to claw back into that game, to, to come back from nine down in the second half, to battle against a, a really good team in Florida. Like Florida is a very good, analytically good team. It's early, but they're good. Like that, that win's going to look good. And, and so for Wake Forest to do that, especially after all the trials and tribulations that have already occurred in the 2023-24 season, I think says a lot about that team. And now kind of leads us into what we saw Wednesday night for Wake Forest. The first thing, obviously the biggest news of the game was the player who who first subbed in for Wake Forest just minutes into the game, Efton Reed, the transfer center seven-footer from Gonzaga, was granted his transfer waiver during Tuesday night's practice in lead-up to the game. So Steve Forbes told the media that at a certain point, Efton Reed was running scout for Wake Forest. He'd been running scout. I mean, he was running scout for Rutgers in that practice. And then you're playing tomorrow night, kid. Uh, what what incredible news. It, uh, Steve Forbes and Efton Reed. Efton Reed met with the media la- uh, last night. We're recording this on Thursday. You guys will be hearing it for the first time on Friday. But last night, Efton Reed talked a lot about the situation. Steve Forbes did as well, talked about all the people that went into this positive decision for Efton Reed. I mean, a litany of folks. There were board members, President Susan Wente, Athletic Director John Curry, Lindsey Babcock, and Darren Cadell from the Athletic Department, Wake Forest General Counsel Pete Pockstellis and Brian White. There was Stu Brown, who's a Wake alum and was Efton's attorney. They brought in outside counsel from Kansas City. 
Uh, their former governor, Mark Easley, was also advising. I mean, just the list goes on and on. Steve Forbes was talking about it for a long time. All the people that were involved in this decision. It's, I mean, there was a, a massive impact from a lot of folks. A, a lot of time, a lot of effort went into this decision for Wake Forest. And luckily, it came out the right way. One of the people, Ben, that, that really, it, it got a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, notice on Twitter last night when I talked about it, someone who played a huge role in support was Efton Reed's co- uh, coach from the past, Mark Few over at Gonzaga, wrote a letter to the NCAA in support of Efton. Um, and Steve Forbes highlighted that, you know, he owes, not owes, but you know, credits Mark Few a lot and and something that he didn't have to do. He came out and spoke in support of Efton Reed, just another voice in the room that can be really helpful. So a lot of, a lot of credit given from Steve Forbes to, to Mark Few. I thought that was really interesting to come out from last night. Yeah, definitely. And I thought it was really fascinating to read what Steve Forbes had to say on this matter. First of all, if you haven't seen it, Go watch the video on the Wake Forest men's basketball social media of the moment that the team officially gets the news. It's great. Steve Forbes, obviously, is speaking with a lot of emotion. He kind of does the old trick where he starts very even keel, you know, hasn't announced it to make, but doesn't give it away. And then he, you know, goes crazy. Efton Reed is eligible. The team mobs Efton Reed. It's a great video. Go watch it if you haven't seen it already. But one of the things that stood out most to me about Steve Forbes' remarks after the game on the whole situation is just how much emotion was involved and how much, like you said, there's been so much emotion and adversity for this team so far this year. But there is, you know, one quote that Steve Forbes made that I thought really summed up the situation. And he said, it was all worth it because he's worth it. Efton Reed is worth it. He was worth, he's a, he, you know, he's a game changer. Steve Forbes has come out and said, this is a guy that can change the trajectory of this team and can make an immediate difference out there. He did that against Rutgers. And in the end, I think Wake Forest and Steve Forbes are justified in their efforts to get Efton Reed out on this court because it seems like people from all over the country, like you said, former coach Mark Few writing a letter to me speaks volumes about how many people want this kid to succeed, want him to do well, and want him to utilize this chance to play under Steve Forbes. And it was just really encouraging to see that. Obviously, Wake got a great result in the game, which we'll get into. Um, but just a lot, you know, a lot of positives, an emotional high for the team after having to deal with some emotional lows, uh, like we just discussed. So definitely, I think, validating for Steve Forbes for the rest of the team and a good indicator of this team's potential. Now that you get you, you get your guy at the five, you get your guy who, you know, you were planning to build this team around in that regard. Yeah. So you mentioned two things, Ben. You mentioned the the quality of the case. Uh, that was something that Steve Forbes said last night. He said that Wake Forest had a great case and they knew it. And so that influenced kind of how there there wasn't a lot of public discussion, or at least coming from Wake Forest, that you saw from other schools, from other institutions, from other players going into this case. You know, th- the media, for the most part, w- was just as unknowing as the the public was. We we did not know. We, we, we had a feeling we were going to hear about Efton at, at a certain time and point, but we didn't know truly when we were going to hear what the decision was going to be. Like there was a lot of people in the dark and, and Wake Forest didn't really shed light on a lot of these things because they wanted to keep it a private thing. And they also just, I, it seems like they just really didn't want to publicize it too much because they felt so strongly in, in the way they were going about their case because they knew they had a good one. Secondly, 
you you talked about emotion and he brought up that quote from coach Forbes earlier uh, and the beginning of that quote also stuck out to me a little bit. So when he first found out about the decision, he was at practice, got pulled into the hallway by Lindsey Babcock and he saw a camera. And that's when he, he said he knew that probably the news was going to be a good one because uh, if there were, if there were a camera there, they wouldn't be trying to film this pretty tough moment. But he said, uh, I was very emotional. I mean, I'm a crier. I was crying out in the hallway before I came in there. We've been through a lot. Uh, talking about his reaction to the decision before going and telling the team. Says a lot about Steve Forbes. I mean, he he spoke so highly of Efton. He, everyone who covers Wake Forest, everyone who's a fan of Wake Forest knows uh, what Steve Forbes means to this team, means to this program, means to his players. Um but I think his investment in this whole situation in his player, not only as a basketball player, but as a person speaks volumes. Uh, Wake Forest made a huge investment in Efton Reed and it's worth it. I mean, Efton from what we saw and we'll get into it a little bit later, really, really good basketball player. He's really, really good. He's going to make a difference for Wake Forest, but Efton's a great guy. Uh, he, he spoke to the media last night, very well-spoken, a lot of emotion. He's funny, insightful. I mean, it was great. He, at, at points he did say, I mean, he was speechless uh, about getting to play basketball for the first time again and, and everything he gone, had, had gone through. But I mean, Efton was a star on the court, but he was also a, a star in that media room last night. Just, it was great. So just a fantastic moment for Wake Forest to finally have him back. It changes everything in my opinion. Um, but a very, you know, a very good debut for Afton. Second career double double in his first game with Wake Forest. So that's that's something to hang your hat on to start. Twelve points, fourteen rebounds, made a huge impact. Then, as I've said, a difference maker. He's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to quantify, you know, after just one game, how big of a difference maker he can be. But um, I would just like to sort of dive into Wake's team stats. You know, the difference he made in Wake's team stats in just one game, even though Wake beat Florida. So Wake has, in a in one of their best wins of the year over Florida, Wake has nine second chance points, six offensive rebounds, 22 points off turnovers. Um, in Efton Reed's first game, they pull down a season high 15 offensive rebounds, have 15 points off the bench, have 32 points in the paint, 21 points off of turnovers, so evident to me the impact that Efton Reed is having on this team. Granted, the bench points are sort of an asterisk next to them because Efton Reed did come off the bench and accounted for 12 of the... Did he have 14 or 12 points? 12 points? He, he had 12 points, 14 rebounds. 12 points, 14 rebounds. That's right. So 12 of those bench points came from Efton Reed. But another statistic I want to mention, going into the game against Rutgers, Wake Forest was 351st out of 351 teams in Division One in bench scoring. 6.14 bench points per game. They score 15 in Efton's first game of the year. Granted, 12 of those came from Efton himself. But I think in the future, the addition of one player will add a lot of depth to this Wake Forest team because they weren't waiting for just a rotation piece or a guy that was going to give you 10 minutes a night. They were waiting for a guy who's going to be presumably your starting center moving forward, give you 30, 35 minutes a night and sort of let the other players slide more naturally into their roles on the team. So I think I would predict Wake Forest to be a much deeper, a much more complete team now with Efton Reed. You can see already they played an incredibly physical brand of basketball last night. 
Um, Epton himself played very physical, obviously wasn't messing around out there to go get, go and get 14 rebounds in his first game. Didn't even necessarily have a great shooting night, but found a way to put up 12 points, make an impact and lead all players in rebounding this first game. And that's, that's a heck of a debut to me. Yeah, Ben, it was something we talked about after we had heard about the Efton Reed decision before the Rutgers game that having Rucker, I mean, having Efton is one thing, like getting his skill on the court is one thing, but having another piece of the puzzle for Wake Forest in terms of their lineup is infinitely important. Like Wake was down a lot of, a lot of talent, but also just numbers. I, I made the comment last night uh, to Les Johns covering Wake Forest for, for 24 seven sports that it's felt like at the beginning of the season that Wake Forest has been playing with eight fingers and that not all of those eight fingers are fully even developed yet. Like guys like Marcus Mary and, and Parker Fredrickson, like Wake Forest w- was playing down a lot. So having a guy like Efton Reed being able to rotate that lineup a lot more, add in his skill it, it is just massive. And, and you saw it right at the jump for Wake Forest last night, 18, three run to start the game against Rutgers absolutely blew them out. It felt like right from the get-go, there was a shot that Wake Forest was going to make it a, a, a non-contest within five minutes. Um, and then they kind of let Rutgers back into it. Rutgers worked their way back into the game. Wake wasn't shooting very well. As I said earlier in the podcast, Wake got really three happy and they weren't making a lot of threes. Um, so they allowed Rutgers to get back into the game. The Scarlet Knights were also able to to kind of get the shots that they wanted at will. And, and before you knew it, Rutgers right back in a snap. First it was six, then it was three, then they whittled it down to two. Uh, so with 10-31 remaining in the second half, Rutgers gets that basket to make it a two-point game, as I said. Wake hadn't scored in two and a half minutes. It, at that point, I, I'm sitting in, in the end zone of the arena, in the press section, thinking, where did this game go? And Wake might lose this game after starting with an 18-3 lead. There was a thought that kind of ran through my mind, like this game might, this might flip on its head in a way I did not see coming. So Rutgers on a huge run, gets that bucket. Something that I noted, and I asked him about it after the game, Steve Forbes does not call a timeout. Let's his guys play. Wake goes on to score eight straight points, forces a trigger timeout from Steve Peichel from Rutgers, to he supersedes the media timeout. So he doesn't even want to wait for the media timeout to come. He pulls the trigger on it to, to bring in the media timeout. So that tells you one thing. And then out of the timeout, after scoring eight straight, Wake scores 10 more straight. 18-0 run, close to a 19-point victory. So I asked Steve Forbes about that after the game. He said, sometimes you got to fight. You got to work out your problems. You got to figure it out and keep playing. This is a pretty resilient group of dudes. That's when the game broke open. That's the maturity you want to see. So right down the stretch, wake big lead, small lead, big lead again. 19-point victory over a Rutgers basketball team that absolutely decimated the Demon Deacons in Piscataway almost a full 12 months ago. And Ken Palm, it's a flip-flop. Wake goes from 77 to 62 after the game. They're now at 63 in Ken Palm. It's a big win, Ben. Yeah, and it really wasn't the game really did have an interesting complexion, I thought, from start to finish. Right away, one of the things I commented on on Twitter was that Wake was just playing such stingy defense to start the game. They were really making Rutgers uncomfortable on the 
on the offensive end, forcing a lot of long possessions, a lot of out of rhythm, contested three pointers, you know, making Rutgers work for their shots. And then you mentioned Wake really struggled from three in the first half. They went four or 15, not for, I think Wake will end up being a very good three point shooting team this year, but not hitting the shots that, you know, they normally hit struggled a little bit. Those, especially that last portion of the first half, you're right. They very nearly let it get away from them and let Rutgers get over the hump. But the, the key stat to this game is that Wake Forest never trailed. They never trailed against this Rutgers team who really did make a run at it. And then I think Steve Forbes did a good job of calling timeouts at the right time, giving his team a breather, saying, hey, lock in, get back to what we did right in the first half. We got this. And then at one point in the second half, Wake Forest got either eight or nine consecutive defensive stops, which is just nearly unheard of in any game. But I think I think it shows you um, the resilience of this Wake Forest team, the toughness, especially with Efton Reed in there. You just add a whole nother presence in the paint of physicality, of rim protection, shot blocking, rebounding, and then some other just statistics, you know, extra possessions, I think, won Wake Forest that game. 15 offensive rebounds and over 20 second chance points. You know, Wake didn't have their best shooting night of the year, not by a long shot. I don't think anyone on the team would say that. They finished the game shooting 42.9% from the field, 30.8% from three. And they still put up, you know, those aren't excellent shooting numbers. Wake has certainly had better shooting performances this year, and they still put up 76 points and held Rutgers to under 60 points. So, you know, I, I think it's very encouraging that on a night when they didn't necessarily have their best stuff at at every point of the game, they certainly made some great runs, like you said, a couple big 10 and 8 point runs in the second half to really sort of knock this thing out of reach. I think Steve Forbes quite Steve Forbes quote kind of sums it up. Um, you have to fight. You have to find a way to adjust to adversity. I thought Wake Forest leaders, you know, did a great job. I thought Efton Reed was a very calming presence for the team. Steve Forbes did say after the game that Efton is the team's best communicator. And that much was clear just from being in practice. So, you know, adding that guy out there on the court during a time when things get difficult, I think is invaluable to this team, especially with, you know, the freshmen that are starting to get minutes, things like that. I think just a very, a very calming presence. Um, team was very physical in the post, only gave up, you know, very few second chance points to Rutgers, which is very encouraging as well. I think Rutgers only had six second chance chance points to Wake's 21. So to me, that is the game right there. Yeah. And some of the games Wake Forest struggled in, they've been very porous on the offensive glass, are winning games despite their rebounding performance, not because of it. This is a game that I would argue they won because of how well they dominated the glass, how physical they were, more determined team. And I thought it was interesting too, kind of a poetic justice moment. The score last year of the Wake Forest Rutgers game was 81-57 in New Jersey, and it was 76-57 this year. So, you know, very kind of mirrored, mirrored performances in a way in a game the Wake Forest needed and, you know, just a sort of a perfect a perfect end to the Efton Reed saga and the beginning of something very new and very exciting for Wake Forest. Yeah, Ben, first off, the point about the Rutgers game last year, I, I covered that game in person in Piscataway. These, these two games felt like polar opposites. Like last year, it felt like Rutgers dictated every single moment of that game against Wake Forest. I mean, right from the get-go, they went full-court press, Wake Forest 
basically rolled over on its back like a scared turtle. And that was the game from there. It was just an absolute train wreck. Um, the only reason it was even remotely close was because Demari Monsanto decided to hit every three-pointer that came out of his hands. Uh, it would have been a really ugly, ugly scoreline if that were not the case. This game, Wake Forest seemed to dictate everything. They led pretty much the entire way, 38 and a half minutes. But I really liked the point you made, A, about winning because of their rebounding. As you said, like Wake is a team that has struggled on the boards, and, and that was not the case last night. They won partially because of their rebounding, not in spite of it. And I also really liked the second chance possessions, getting those, making the most out of their possessions and getting more possessions than Rutgers. They forced a lot of turnovers. And I think it was an impressive offensive performance, not because of their shooting, but what they were making out of the, their possessions. And I think the biggest thing for me is you have to remember that Rutgers is one of the best statistical defenses in the country. Like they're top 10 in pretty much anything that, you know, Ken Palm, all that yada, yada, you go down the line. Like Rutgers, bad offense, but really good defense. So Wake Forest putting up points, scoring more than a point per possession. I think it was like 1.1 points per possession against Rutgers, which a team was on averaging, uh, allowing an average of under a point per possession says a lot. And, the, and those are the, those kind of little stats in the aggregate that tell you that Wake Forest really outperformed uh, offensively against a really strong defense and they didn't even shoot the ball that well. So really good pull there statistically, Ben. Um, in terms of points, in terms of scoring, top of the list obviously goes to Boopy Miller. Electric performance, 23 points. He hit four threes. Steve Forbes also talked about it. Really gritty on defense. He's got that high motor that you kind of just feel like he's always just weaving, ducking, and diving around the court, really just attacking the ball a lot. Thought that was really impressive. And then five Demon Deacons in double digits scoring. So Boopy, Efton Reed with 12. And then you get even more out of your scoring. You have, uh, I have to pull it up, but I believe it was, yes, yeah, so you have Cam with 12. Andrew Carr with 10 and Hunter Salas with 11. So five Demon Deacons scored in double digits last night. The versatility on offense, a big thing as well. Yeah. And that to me, it just goes to show more about what Efton Reed adds this team. You can, I think it opens up so much on the perimeter when you have such a dominant player down low that demands so much attention from the other team. Efton Reed wasn't necessarily hitting all of his shots, you know, last night. He still he had some really good buckets, some really good physical finishes, got to the line a couple times, but he's always going to demand attention down there. And that will open up things on the perimeter for Wake Forest shooters. And I think you saw that a little bit with Boopy Miller's performance last night. Seven of 14 from the field, four of eight from three, a plus 15. A lot of those high motor plays that you were talking about, there were a couple times in the second half where Wake's momentum was sort of stalling on offense. They were struggling to get things that they wanted on that end of the floor. And then Boopy Miller comes in with that seemingly unlimited, unlimited range and, you know, nails a big shot, nails a three. And he was, there've been a couple of games this year where Boopy Miller has been leading the way on the offense. And Kevin Dunn told us on the podcast a couple of weeks back, he said, we asked who, are you most excited to see get out there for this team? He's and one of the players he named was Boopy Miller because he said he's got such a deep bag on offense. He was injured last year, didn't get to show all of what he was about. This year, I think you are showing that Boopy Miller is an ACC caliber player and can turn into one of the better scorers in the ACC. To like you said, to put up 
that that scoring output, that efficiency against a statistically very good Rutgers defense is very, very encouraging for Wake Forest. And that balance that you mentioned is also very encouraging to have five players in double figures and to be able to, to spread things around when things aren't going well for one guy. I think we saw Wake sputter a couple of times and not have their best offensive performances when Cam Hildreth would get cold, Hunter Salas would get cold. It happened, you know, in a couple of the games so far this year. But now you have a little bit more safety net, a little bit more margin for error. If a guy doesn't have the hot hand, you don't have to force it to him. You have other options. You have options at essentially every position now when with Efton Reed on the court. And Andrew Carr and all of those guys did some really great things, but just adding Efton Reed adds another, you know, positive impact to an awake force offense that was already productive, already working, but just sort of, you know, gives another layer that you really weren't able to sort of comprehend how meaningful it would be until you saw it out there in action. Yeah, and I don't have the exact number of games, but I think Boopy only played four games last year before he went down with an injury. And I think I kind of forgot about that. Like in the beginning of the season, it was clear that there was some talent there, but I wasn't a hundred percent sold on, on Boopy Miller as the starting point guard for Wake Forest. I mean, I think you know he kind of had to be, but I I, I wasn't sure what wake was going to get out of boopy and just now remembering it's you got to get back like you got to get back into into playing ability and he definitely is doing that i mean the past two games against florida and then against Rutgers, we have seen an exponential growth out of boopy miller and i still think the best is yet to come like he is a we talk about Efton Reed being a game changer. I think Booby Miller is also a game changer for Wake as a ball handling guard. Having a ball handling guard like Booby that can shoot threes, that can can drive to the hoop and can pull up. He, he's got, as you said, he's got that bag. He's got a deep bag of tricks. Uh, and for Wake, that's huge for your from your ball handling point guard. So Booby, I think, is a really big part of this Wake Forest squad. Yeah, and I think that's why Steve Forbes went and got him in the portal is I think he knew that this guy can give a spark and not only give a spark, but be sort of, you know, I, I think I said something on Twitter last night. It felt like he was powering the engine of the Wake Forest offense. He was the spark. He was the guy hitting the big shot, making things happen. And I think Steve Forbes does such a great job in the portal of not only recruiting talent fits, but recruiting culture fits as well. And it seems like with both Afton Reed and Boopy Miller and the other guys he's brought in, the culture is blending. And you, you saw that out there against Rutgers. You saw that resiliency. You saw that toughness that, you know, it, it seems like this team is is buying in, playing for so bigger than themselves, playing for each other. I saw that a lot out there yesterday. I think that's very important for this team and just how excited everybody was to have Efton Reed and to not be discouraged by a couple of tough losses where you're shorthanded on the road or in a neutral zone, you know, early in the year to to be able to keep the big picture in front of you and to to bounce back and to to come back home and take care of business on your home court where they've been so good over the past last season and so far this year uh, it shows me that there's you know a lot out there I think for this Wake Forest team and I'm I think if I was if you know Wake Forest fans should be very excited about how conference play is going to look um, got some big games coming up in the future Miami comes to town not not too far from now so some some exciting times, I think, for Wake Forest basketball. 
Yeah, not to derail our conversation and and get away from you know our our detailed plans that we have for each episode. But you brought in the the transfer piece and Steve Forbes. I mean, you got to be kidding me at a certain point. Like it's just unbelievable. Like Booby Miller, Hunter Salas, Efton Reed. Like come on. Like it's at a certain point. Like it just year by year recreating rebuilding his basketball teams like you go back and look like alondis williams acc player of the year jake laravia first round draft pick tyree appleby the list goes on and on it's it's absurd and those are three guys right there this year for wake and afton boopy and hunter salas that are use the word game changer but i mean it's a game changer like wake is not the team that they are this year or what they are, what people hope they're going to be this year without those three guys. And so it's unbelievable. I mean, John Rothstein at a certain point, like the Steve Forbes, the portal whisperer has got to happen. I've been pushing that since my days with uh, the old golden black wake forest on campus newspaper. Yeah, we've, been, we've been trying to get that one on the, on the rails for a while now. I think it's, I think it's more than earned at this point. Yeah. If, if at some point this comes across uh, John Rothstein's desk phone, what have you come on, make it happen. Yeah, Portal Whisperer, John, uh, Steve Forbes, the Portal Whisperer. Back on track now. Just had to say that. I, but I mean, seriously, like Steve Forbes, you got to be kidding me at a certain point. Physicality of Wake Forest. We talked about it a little bit, but last night said the 15 offensive rebounds out rebounded Rutgers 42 to 30. You saying that Wake Forest won because of the rebounds as opposed to in spite of the rebounds, 32 points in the paint, forced 14 turnovers. And this isn't really a physicality thing, Ben, but I think it just, I, I should have honestly just called it like the gritty, grimy, tough together section um, to, to pair itself with uh, Rutgers's 14 turnovers last night. Wake had 10 and not great, not solid. I'll, I'll call it solid. But when you compare that with Wake turned it over 22 times in Piscataway last year against Rutgers, it's a big difference. And you mentioned those extra possessions. You could call Wake Forest having extra possessions in the sense that they didn't turn the ball over as much. Like they had the ball more often because they weren't giving it away. And they made Rutgers give it away more than they did. So I think that's a big part of the game. A lot of poise in in those big moments for Wake Forest, especially when the lead got close a few times. And in terms of physicality, yes, there was the Efton Reed effect. Like Efton made a market difference in that game. But it felt like, and it felt like this against Florida a bit as well, but especially against Rutgers, it felt like everyone was just making a much larger effort on the boards. It felt like it was more of a coordinated team effort altogether. I mean, Andrew Carr was really good. I think he's improving a lot on the boards, really starting to use his body to his advantage. He, he gained some good weight in the offseason, starting to use that to his advantage. Something that Steve Forbes has talked about is the guards pulling down on rebounding, helping out, not only boxing out, but also when some of those balls squirt, squirt away, like them snapping those balls up. That's really big. Those, those kind of team rebounds and those secondary rebounds, Zach Keller, who I want to talk about later. I thought he's been really good on the boards. He's really starting to get into his size, get into that confidence. Um, and so I think that's big. It, it's a whole team thing. And so I think not, yes, it was Afton. Afton got 14 boards. That's great. That's that's really good stuff in your first game. But Wake just looks like a better rebounding basketball team right now. As you said that before, 
they had been porous. They had, they had not been a very good rebounding team. Feels like the tide is changing on that. And I think that can only mean good things for this Wake Forest basketball team going forward. If they can, if that's just another piece of the pie for them, if they can rebound well, if they can win the battle of the boards, that's huge. Because as you said, they were winning in spite of it. If they can add that to their repertoire, I, I, I just think that's really big, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw the impacts of what a good, complete physical basketball game looks like and what it, what it looks like to take care of business on offensive boards and defensive boards. Wake, like we said, didn't have their best shooting night. They weren't hitting threes at a consistent rate throughout the entire game the, the way that they have sometimes. They didn't necessarily have a knockout offensive performance to fall back on. But what they did have to fall back on was, you know, something that they could control, but didn't always do a great job of controlling, which is the pace of the game, the physicality of the game, the, you know, taking ownership of those intangibles that I know are so critical to Steve Forbes. It's not like he was blind to these problems before. I think probably the most frustrating part was that the issues are right here in front of us. We know what they are. It's, not, it's easier said than done to, you know, find those solutions to those sometimes. But over the past two games, Wake has 43 points off of turnovers in two games. They have 66 points in the paint. That is that is taking your shots where you know you can make them. That is punishing the other team, letting the other team make the mistakes, as opposed to being the one who is coughing the ball up more frequently and having to play, having to spend more time on defense, having to sort of, you know, claw your way out of these, out of these gaps, which is, you know, how, where they found themselves at some points early in the season or, you know, against, against Utah after, after halftime, things kind of went South, but it was very encouraging to see Wake Forest sort of, even when things got close, not lose panic and not lose sight of their identity. Like you said, lead got to as few as two points um, to see them sort of gather together and bring it on home had to be very encouraging for Wake Forest fans. And, you mentioned, you know, Zach Keller. I thought Zach Keller was great against Rutgers. I think adding Efton Reed to the lineup did a lot in sort of letting letting the other players on the team slide into their more natural roles. So I think, you know, when you're shorthanded, Matthew Marsh missed some time. Obviously, Efton Reed wasn't available until this past game. You had, you know, you had guys that you had to ask a lot more of. And I think adding Efton Reed sort of just lets this team mesh together in the way that it's meant to mesh. On that point of Zach Keller, we'll talk about him after the break. We're going to pause for some proud partners of the Believe Network, a commercial break, and we will be back on the Boots on the Ground pod. Back on the Boots on the Ground pod alongside Ben Conroy, IMS Sayer. Before the break, we were discussing Zach Keller. And Ben, I want to bring something up that we talked about off air a few days ago, and that was with Efton coming back, what would the rotation be like at the five? I mean, there had been some internal debate between you and I um, regarding Zach Keller and, and Wake Forest traditional starting center, Matthew Marsh. Matthew Marsh, a seven-footer, a little bit more built out than Zach Keller. Um, and, and Keller's a little bit more versatile, a little bit more mobile. Um, and, and I'll say it, I mean, I, I have shared some concerns that I had about Matthew Marsh in the past, but I thought he put together a really good basketball game uh, against Florida and, and Wake Forest certainly missed him when he was out with a head injury in Charleston. 
But with Epton and his size and his physical makeup, I made the point that Zach Keller very well could be the guy to eat a fair share of those minutes at the backup position at the five, just because he's he's different and can provide a change of pace. As I said, I think he's a good shooter. Uh, he, he shot threes before. He's made them. Uh, he's a little more mobile, as I said. And also, as I said, he's improved heavily recently. I think he's gotten a lot better. Uh, really starting to get into really starting to get into it on the boards. I think he's more confident. Efton Reed, I asked him about that last night, and Efton said that that Zach Keller is really starting to believe in himself, that he started to get on Zach Keller a little bit to be like, you got this, man. Like, believe in yourself. Um, and another point, I think, is that Zach Keller can also, with, with the way he's kind of built up, and as I said, the way he can move, I think he is a candidate to spell Andrew Carr a bit at the four now that you have Carr being – kind of that guy at the four position with Efton Reed being back. I think Keller's a candidate to spell him there a little bit as well, which I think is a really intriguing option. But looking back to Wednesday night against Rutgers, Keller started, he played 12 minutes. Uh, so he started the first half. And then I, I think we're going to see Efton Reed starting, obviously at center moving forward. He started the second half, but they went with Keller to start the game. And I thought he, he provided some really good stuff. Good on the boards again. And, and in contrast, Matthew Marsh didn't play a minute. He did not come off the bench. Um, I don't think that'll continue in the sense that I think Marsh will see some court time going forward. I don't think it's going to be cold turkey that he's just done. Uh, but it's an interesting thing to note if that was just personnel or or whatever, if that was just some matchups with, with Rutgers or, or what have you. But it was confirmed to me after the game that that was not an injury-related decision, that that was a coach's decision to play Zach Keller at the five and not have Matthew Marsh go into that game. So interesting topic to discuss here, Ben, where does Wake Forest go at the five? What, what do they do with Zach Keller? What do they do with Matthew Marsh? Again, you add that extra body, some minutes disappear. And so I think it's going to be an interesting situation. Yeah. And I think it's overall, I think it's a good problem to have, you know, you have three guys um, at the five who to some extent have proven their ability to play. Now, I think, it's interesting. I think Zach Keller offers a certain skill set. I think he can stretch the floor a little bit with his three-point shooting. He made a big three last night. He can stretch the floor. He's a little bit more mobile, like you said, a little bit maybe more versatile in that way than Matthew Marsh is. But if there's also one thing I know about Steve Forbes is that he does not get locked into rotations. He loves to take things at a game-by-game basis. He says, he says it all the time. He says he's going to put out the best players, give the team the best chance to win. My guess is with Efton Reed, Likely starting moving forward, I think that some nights it will be Zach Keller. Some nights it will be Matthew Marsh. Some nights it might even be both. It just depends on who they're playing against, who has the hot hand, how certain guys are playing. I, I wouldn't expect Matthew Marsh to be permanently out of the rotation moving forward at all. I agree with you there. I think that's a good point. Steve Forbes is all in on taking it game by game, and he will absolutely tailor the best game plan to match up with what the other team has, you know, at the five, at the four, who, you know, who's playing well. If Matthew Marsh could very well get in off the bench and get a couple buckets, get a couple big rebounds, throw down a couple lobs, and maybe he's the guy for that game. And then the same could go for Zach Keller. I just think it's all going to depend on the game. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't read into Matthew Marsh, not getting any minutes too much here, but I really liked what I saw out of Zach Keller. He came in, started the game, which is 
makes sense. I think the way that Steve Forbes approached it was sort of let it, letting Efton Reed ease into the game rather than giving the start right away. But Zach Keller goes two for three from the field, makes a big three-pointer, one of two from three, four total rebounds, two big offensive boards, and just generally does what is asked of him. Shows up, delivers, gets the job done, doesn't make any major mistakes. Like you said, I, I think that confidence is growing for Zach Keller. I think that he's sort of finding his stride within this offense a little bit. I think it, it definitely, it took him a couple games and there were a couple really shaky moments early on, but you know, we, we made the point in earlier podcast that it was indeed early in the season that this team was going to have an adjustment period. And you, you were dealing with Matthew Marsh being out, Zach Keller at being asked to step into a much bigger role than he had had previously. I think that ended up being good for him. I think he was able to maybe play through some of that uncertainty, play through some of those, questions that maybe he even had of himself. And I think is really now starting to step into to what he can be for this team. And I think he's going to be a very important substitution guy off the bench moving forward. Yeah. I, I like your point about things being game specific. Cause I think that especially with Rutgers kind of how they're built out and, and how their offense rolls. I think that was more of a game specific type decision and there, there's a lot of different teams, different lineups that Wake is going to see this year. And so I think it is going to be that game-by-game game basis. And I think Steve Forbes is good at that. It is game-planning minutes, adjusting on the fly, be, making those team-specific choices. He's not, as you said, he's not tied down to certain lineups. Um, and, and talking about lineups. So Efton now being back, or not even being back, being here for the first time in a way more Damari Monsanto on track to be back, hopefully around the beginning of ACC play wake forest plays Virginia tech in a couple weeks after the, the remainder of the non-cons. It's interesting to interesting to think about what that's going to mean for the lineup for minutes distribution. Somebody's going to now have to come off the bench. Who Who's that going to be? It, it, I think it's an interesting time Ben. to, look at minutes distribution a little bit, but also I'm interested to hear what, what your thoughts are on what that starting five is going to look like for Wake Forest when, when uh, Damari Monsanto comes back. Yeah, it's going to be another good problem to have. I think when you're, you're going to be able to bring some real production off the bench. I do think when Damari does get healthy again, it will take several games. I would guess for him to sort of be fully back into you know, it just takes a while after you, especially after you've had a very serious injury like that, major surgery, major recovery period, rehab, all of it to sort of get back into whether that's playing into, you know, the physical shape to be out there on the court or just getting used to being out there on the basketball court again. I don't think Demario Monsanto will start at least the first couple of games whenever he does come back. Obviously, we're looking down the road a bit, but it's going to be really intriguing to see what this lineup looks like. And again, I think it might be at least for the first couple of games, I think it'll be game specific. I I think it might I think Steve Forbes will not be afraid to test out different rotations. I think he has confidence in just about everybody on that bench to come in there and give meaningful minutes. So I don't think he will be afraid to test out different lineups, whether that's maybe you bring Boopy Miller off the bench for some games and you start Damari, whether it's somebody else, you know, coming off the bench, Cam Hildreth, whoever it might be. I don't think Cam Hildreth would necessarily come off the bench, but that was just as a hypothetical. Um, I think it's going to be sort of a, a game by a game thing, you know, trial and error, whatever you want to call it. But I think this Wake Forest team, once Demario Monsanto comes back, is going to be very deep, very difficult to prepare, prepare for offensively. 
because, you know, when you think about it, Demario Monsanto got hurt in February of last year. And I, I think just people forget at a, what a high level he was playing at before that. He was one of the best shooters in the ACC. You could argue even the country and just brings a spark to that offense that you really can't compete. You know, you really can't describe. He was really starting to come into his game, being able to score from anywhere, playing very disciplined basketball, starting to come into his own as a defender as well. And this team, I think, has even yet another level to climb to once he is back. Yeah, I thought last year Damari was on track for being an all-ACC player. Uh, some folks out there had him being one of the best true shooting guards uh, in the in the country for this season, and I think that holds true. Crazy three-point threat. Um, the way I look at it, actually, it, it reminds me a lot of the 2021-22 season, where Wake Forest just on the cusp of making the NCAA tournament. Damari was that six-man bench piece for that team. He he would come in, and he would just light it up. Just come in, and if he got hot. I remember when Winwake Forest beat UNC in the Joel that year, there was a stretch where Damari hit back-to-back-to-back three-pointers, nine straight points for a 9-0 Wake Forest run, and, and it triggered a timeout for North Carolina. And I don't think I've heard the Joel get louder in my career covering Wake Forest than that moment. I, that's where that's what I envision Damari being the, the piece for Wake Forest this year is. I, I think he he might be best utilized as a change of pace guy off the bench, that six man, playing a lot of minutes, but coming in in, in, in spot positions when he can just come in and just rain it on down from, from three-point land. It'll be interesting to see. I, as you said, I think Steve Forbes will switch it up. Uh, I don't see Cam Hildreth coming off the bench either. Initially, my thought process was Booby Miller being the sixth man. But again, my my thoughts on, on Boopy have progressed recently. I think Boopy is now turning into a guy that you cannot have him not starting the game. So again, this is a good problem to have been, as you said. But it'll be interesting to see what, what Steve Forbes does when not only when Damari comes back, but when Damari comes back to being a hundred percent, I think is where things are really going to be uh, a little bit more interesting to look at. Last segment before we close things out here on our return to the boots on the ground pod, I want to bring back something that we discussed, and I believe our very first basketball podcast, where it was titled, I believe this team could be some fun. So, a month or two ago, I said that with Efton Reed. I thought Wake Forest was a candidate to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2017, first time under Steve Forbes. And I also thought Wake Forest was a dark horse candidate to make noise in the NCAA tournament to challenge the top of the ACC in conference play and make noise in the NCAA tournament. I stand by that statement. After last night, and that was just the tip of the iceberg, and it was a good game for Wake Forest. You know, bad games can come and happen. Um, but I think the impact, how different Wake Forest looked last night with Efton Reed on the court, and then you add Damari Monsanto when he comes back. Like, this team could be legit. Like, this team, I think, could be really, really good. Um, and, and that's all conjecture. I mean, it's so, it, it is early in the season, but we were kind of grasping at straws or I was when I was making that statement because I'd only seen Efton play in practice. I'd yet to see him play in a game. Uh, Now we've seen him play in a game. 
and we'll get to see him playing some more before, you know, conference play opens up. But I think the the complexion of the Wake Forest basketball team, and I was told by by a few people, uh, you know, high up in the basketball world uh, last night, I, I got some texts. I was like, oh boy, like this team is, this team, they're, they're, they might be, in, they might be a problem. Uh, so the, the complexion of Wake Forest season snapped in a, in a completely different direction with two wins, wins over Florida and wins over Rutgers. And with Epton Reed getting that transfer waiver, I think things change drastically. Yeah, I think it's, I think Wake Forest has the unique opportunity to, you know, I shared that stat earlier of how much they struggle in bench scoring, or they did at least for the first seven games of the year, six points off the bench is, you know, you're, you're really relying on your starters. And I wasn't able to attend the game in person last night. I watched on the broadcast. Wake is one of the few teams, you know, in the country having, having four guys average over 15 points a game. And, you know, that's great. And your starters are sort of, are definitely providing a ton of value there. And, Hunter Salas has been great. Cam Elders has been great. Andrew Carr has been great. Kevin Miller has been great. But when you add Efton Reed and eventually Demario Monsanto, I think they have the opportunity to sort of transition into one of the deeper teams in the ACC. And depth is what gets you to an NCAA tournament and what helps you win NCAA tournament games is that level of depth. And you mentioned the possibility that Demario Monsanto comes off the bench. I think that is a possibility as well. What a nightmare for opposing teams to have a guy who had so many electrifying shooting performances last year coming off the bench where maybe he's getting run against the second unit of another team. That's really not an option. He's a guy that when he's out there, you got to give him constant attention. He said it to me last year when I interviewed him. I asked him what he thought the strongest part of his game was or what he thought was maybe the most important thing he brought to the table. He said, even if they miss or even if I miss, they still fear me. So to have a guy like that potentially coming off your bench, great problem to have for Steve Forbes, one that I'm sure he's eager to attack and to sort of find creative solutions to. And I think this Wake Forest team, as they find their own and move into conference play and they have a nice stretch of home games here to sort of do that, they will be very difficult to prepare for. They will be very difficult to defend. And if they continue to rebound at the level that they did last night and force turnovers at the level they did last night, they have a chance to be a very, very good and complete team. Yeah, two thoughts on that, Ben. First off, that's not the first time I, you know, we've talked about that Damari quote, but every time you say it, I'm like, oh man, that is that is a cold quote. That is that is pretty awesome. Uh, and and then the second, yeah, if you, if you're preparing for Damari Monsanto to come off the bench as Wake Forest six man, good luck. Um, that that's that's really tough. So so two good points there. Looking at the the future ahead for Wake Forest, so. The rest of the non-con, that's why getting that win, those wins against Florida and Rutgers were so important. The remainder of the non-con schedule is uh, pedestrian. So New Jersey Institute of Technology at home on Saturday night, then Delaware State, and then Presbyterian, which Presby did beat um, Vanderbilt. But overall, those are teams in the Kempom that are like in the 200s and 300s. Those are quad four and a halves. Like those are quad fives. Um, so not much going on. Like those are for those analytically to work for wake forest. Those are going to have to be like 20 plus point victories, but nothing, you know, I think it's a good stretch because wake forest will kind of be able to figure some things out, test some things with Efton, uh, 
you're not missing too much with Damari Monsanto. Try and get him back for Virginia Tech is when Wake Forest opens its ACC schedule at home on December 30th. And then you have Boston College on the road, I believe, on January 3rd. The first huge show, th- those are big games. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the AC- every ACC game is really, really important. Um, but that first huge test for Wake Forest in conference is when Miami comes to town on January 6th. So those are the three openers for Wake Forest after three not-so-tough uh, non-cons, but an interesting six-game stretch here that can really do a lot to – Wake Forest season, I believe, has been kick-started, Ben, but really give it that jolt going into ACC plays if Wake Forest could potentially come out of that one 6-0. Yeah, I think a very real opportunity to do that, and I think one that Steve Forbes and Co. will be – you know, obviously they're going to – take things one game at a time. That is something that Steve Forbes harps on constantly um, was something he was very, very insistent upon, you know, when I was, when we were traveling on the beat last year, and I'm sure that's, you know, a point of point of emphasis for the team this year, but yeah, they have a real chance to rip off a pretty significant winning streak here and to really sort of get hot and hopefully stay hot as conference play kicks off. And man, that Miami game, it's definitely one that I already have circled on the calendar after obviously it's the success that Miami had last year and the, the talent that they retained and added going to be a fun one. I think at the jewel. Absolutely. So closing things out with our, our little break in time, we, we haven't talked about the, the end of the wake forest football season. I've done a deep dive on that. So we'll have an episode coming up on that topic along with looking into wake forest in and out activity in the transfer portal should be a really interesting one as we debrief on the 2023 season for Dave Clawson's team uh, missing out on an eighth straight bowl. And now the ever changing dynamic transfer portal and what that means for the demon Deacons wake forest basketball taking on, as I said, NJIT at home Saturday night, we'll break it all down and have coverage continuing forward on the Boots on the Ground pod on the Believe Network. Thank you for joining. Thank you for supporting us during our break. We are so happy to be back, and we cannot wait to continue to provide coverage here on the Boots on the Ground pod. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you guys soon.